True Connections is a journey within to discover that you are part of everything. Life can often feel disjointed, but you and I are actually connected to one another, to nature, to animals, and many other ways like your thoughts, intentions, dreams, even your imagination. It's my desire to bring spiritual insight to these true connections so that you can get into the flow of life, receive the things that you want without struggle, and enjoy a more constant level of happiness. I am Weston Jolly, your host. Can I ask you a question? Can conscious connection come from an octopus? (laughs) Recently, a friend of mine, and certainly a... um, a fan and an avid listener to True Connections with Weston Jolly, reached out to me in encouragement to give consideration to watching this documentary called My Octopus Teacher. (laughs) To be really honest with you, I thought, I'm not really sure if that's going to be my kind of film. But my daughter reached out and offered me the same kind of encouragement. Interestingly enough, she didn't watch the film, but she had heard about it and wanted to encourage me to... uh, she wanted to encourage me to give it a watch to see if it would be something that I would be drawn to. So, with a certain amount of reluctance, I did. And the story is quite simple. It's about a cameraman who gets burned out with his life and retreats to the sea to escape. And during his time away from his hectic life as a cameraman editing and traveling the world, he discovers an octopus as he's scuba diving in what he calls a forest of seaweed. What's unusual about my octopus teacher is the connection between a clever octopus and a wandering man in search of something greater. If you've seen the documentary on Netflix, then you'll understand exactly how many of the points I'm referencing. For those of you who haven't seen the film, be forewarned that some of what I will say may spoil your seeing the film for the first time or the documentary. And of course, this isn't my intention. My purpose is to highlight the most incredible part of this life, which of course is way beyond the documentary. My question is, can you find conscious connection in nature? I'm not really concerned about offering you a scientific thesis or manifest as such, but I'm encouraging you to listen with some intention to the incidents that I'm going to recall or reflect with regards to nature's constant conscious connection. Recently on Facebook, I posted how Enzo Miorca, an Italian world record freediver, experienced some really cool experiences with some wild dolphins. This is what he shared. Quote, Years ago, while we were diving, a male dolphin guided my daughters, Rosanna and Patrizia, and myself almost leading us by our hands and gave us the chance to save a female dolphin who was tangled up in the meshes of a swordfish net. I maintain that his brainwaves influenced our minds. What is for certain is that our arms were the stretcher by which means we carried that poor exhausted animal racked by contractions to the surface. As soon as she was on the surface after breathing out foam and blood, she gave birth to a dolphin calf under the watchful eyes of her mate. The little one was led to his mama's nipples by gentle strokes of the adult dolphin's beak. I'd like to think that on that day, we reunited a family. 
end quote. So how does a dolphin use brainwaves to influence Enzo and his daughter's mind to participate in some heroic act? Is it consciousness? Dolphins and whales, in more recent times, if we can call it that, are known for being more conscious mammals of the sea. But what about an octopus? Is it possible that an octopus, any old octopus, can extend a connection from nature? In the story of My Octopus Teacher, does Craig Foster, the scuba diver needing a break from his life, really create a connection with a wild octopus? If you watch the documentary or the film, you'll come to the obvious conclusion, yes. And I'd like to spend a minute to talk about how. Everyone wants to know how to connect and how to create conscious connection. I honor the fact that you may not be drawn to go scuba diving to create a personal relationship with an octopus like Craig Foster, but let's see what we can learn from this incredible connection. First, Craig was doing something fun, really fun, swimming. He'd previously been lost in work with deadlines and all the things that come from doing something that he really loves, but sometimes we lose sight of the reason why we're doing it. So he returned to the sea, swimming. Well, unlike Craig, I don't think swimming in cold water is fun. Sometimes Craig is found in swimming in 46-degree water. I'm emphasizing this is what's fun for Craig, but it may or may not be fun for you or I. But honoring what is fun for you is key. This point is so important that most people miss it because it's so simple. But doing things that make you feel free, fun, or expressed is indeed a pathway to the divine. Second, Craig is swimming in and around a local community. What I mean is he's not trying to cover the entire ocean. He ended up choosing to swim in the same 100-yard area again and again. I think this is kind of fun to observe, too. How many times have you been doing something that you really, really love, and then suddenly you move into the space of not really thinking? Without directly saying so, it appears that Craig is enjoying the quiet of being, quote, alone, end quote. And I put that word in quotes so that you can hear it if you're out in the ocean like Craig. What I mean is that you're not thinking that you're alone. One could easily say that Craig was swimming alone in the ocean because of his fondness for the water and because, like the boy he is, he appreciated the beauty of discovery. Then one day, he discovers something. It's an odd piece of oceanic art. It looks like a 3D version of a Jackson Pollock painting sculpture. (laughs) Craig discovers a thing or an object that is covered in seashells. These are dead seashells. So the fact that they're adhered to something that is covered in seashells is interesting. And then it moves. It has life. Remember, Craig is scuba diving, so he can only hold his breath for a certain amount of time. And after taking a breath and coming back down to figure out what he's actually discovered, again, this 3D art project, and it having moved, it has locomotion. But what is it? You can almost hear Craig as he's thinking that question. What is it? As your guide to this adventure, I need to highlight that when we discover something, you could easily switch this thought to you being shown something. 
So allow me with this understanding to switch that Craig was being presented something. It actually would take him some time to understand what he was actually shown in the very beginning. This, again, 3D moving piece of art. When we're too busy chasing our dreams through never-ending tasks, we often miss the very things that are presented before us. Nature is very clever about this. It's always there. But it's never, ever pushy or forcing some conscious connection upon you. But it is there. The universe is like this. It never forces us to feel, see, or comprehend anything spiritual. But it's always there. Could I say consciously aware? Okay, back to our story. After a new breath, Craig sees the seashell jalopy move. Then suddenly the shells are dropped. And almost like alchemy, the shells are replaced in a puff of smoke with an octopus swimming away at full speed. Craig, the boy-like discoverer, follows the octopus to a rock assumed to be his home in which the eight-legged creature disappears underneath the rock. Even more importantly is how the octopus changes its skin coloration and even its skin texture to match the rock homogeneously. This is the end of Craig's first swimming lesson. But like the powerful seed of an acorn, a seed has been deposited in Craig's mind. The third thing is to observe about nature is its constant invitation to consciously connect. Every day, as in every day, Craig goes into the cold waters to watch his new discovery of this wild octopus of the sea. If you're listening, and I know that you are, then you've already heard me say that nature is begging you to observe it. If you want to continue to apply the spiritual equivalent, then you must understand that the universe is begging for you to observe it. So Craig starts documenting the habits of this one particular octopus. Imagine swimming every day to look and just find one, this one octopus every day. That's what Craig's doing. But what's he looking for, you may ask? Hang in there. You'll find out. In time, the octopus recognizes Craig as a middle-sized, middle-aged white man swimming with super long and narrow black diving fins, scuba mask, and breathing tube, and that Craig isn't a predator. It's amazing, but you can actually see the octopus keep all seven legs securely attached to home base, the rock, and reach out with a leg with its many tentacles to see who or what Craig is if he's not a predator. Slowly, cautiously, you can see the octopus reach out and touch Craig's fingertips, then his hand, and even to my surprise, his face mask. And then it even touched his lips. In time, the octopus let go of her attachment to home and released to discover for herself who and what Craig is. For me, if I were an octopus, I may wonder many things too, right? Things like, who has the time or the inclination to go swimming for 365 days with me, one octopus in the sea? Doesn't Craig have a job that he has to report to? <laughs> what about a wife? We know that he has a son because he casually mentioned it early in the documentary. 
From the perspective of an octopus, doesn't Craig have something better to do than come out and swim in the same 100-yard kelp forest near Simonstown in the Cape of South Africa? Good questions for an octopus to ask. And frankly, anyone else watching the film or listening to the story now. It's easy to watch an 84-minute documentary that took 10 years to make after swimming the ocean every day for a whole year trying to find this one female octopus. The fourth thing that we observe is that the octopus reaches back and extends Craig an invitation. As much as Craig is being touched by the octopus, the octopus is feeling out Craig too. As more time evolves, the octopus begins to release all of her attachments from the rock and surrounds all of her legs around Craig's hand. The picture of this is really hard to imagine, but this film captures it all. Well, it does capture the film and the imagery perfectly, but there's something to see or to observe that the film doesn't or can't capture, and that's Craig's energy. You can deduce that something is happening that would allow a single wild octopus of the sea to reach out intimately and even vulnerably like this, but the film really can't capture it. You can feel it. If you can hear and listen to my voice right now, then you can feel this connection. This is the spiritual connection of nature. And yes, it's conscious. Let me continue talking about this energy. Another trip to the sea, and Craig and his female octopus continue their relationship. Craig, needing a breath, goes softly to the surface to get the required air his lungs so desperately crave and need as the octopus rides comfortably all the way to the surface, something that Craig didn't think that would take place, that he thought for sure that the octopus would let go. You could say that it was a true display of trust. This is a key word. Nature does trust us. The more that we become at one with us, trust begets connection. As you will witness here, connection of the most conscious and spiritual kind. Let me take a breather here. <laughs> like Craig coming to the service for another breath. We're talking about a grown man taking the time to swim and document the geographic area of a kelp forest looking for one octopus. Seeing the octopus surround itself around Craig's hand seems like, well, it's as good as it possibly could get. The fifth thing that you see is that the octopus releases from Craig's hand and actually connects itself with Craig's body, or what appears to be his heart area. Perhaps there's an energy being shared here in nature in the form of a wild octopus at sea to share energy with Craig's heart chakra. Perhaps a wild octopus from the sea has noticed that Craig, seemingly, has lost his way, maybe even his own identity. Perhaps this heartfelt connection is exactly what Craig needed to feel alive again. I don't know about you, but before seeing this film, I've never seen an octopus and a human interact in this way. I was physically watching the conscious connection of nature in the same way that I'm describing it to you now. As in things of the material world, things happen, and Craig and the octopus have an encounter 
an issue whereby the octopus retreats. It goes away. Craig is actually devastated, emotionally devastated, that his action, commonly thought of as a mistake, was something that he breached the trust of his teacher and friend, the octopus. The octopus fled her normal homestead, and Craig becomes a tracker of the sea. The sixth thing. We've heard of tracking animals on the ground, looking for details such as their footprints, droppings, and how they might change the terrain based upon where they've eaten or where they've slept or perhaps where they drink water from a watering hole. But have you ever thought of tracking a single wild octopus in the water? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Let's bring all this down to some rational simplicity, shall we? Finding an octopus that will hold your hand in the ocean is more than amazing enough. (laughs) having that same octopus ride on your body because of an energetic bond that is being created by both Craig and the octopus is beyond words. But who would think that they can find a wild octopus that has fled her community? Well, Craig did. Earlier in Craig's life as a cameraman photographing wild animals in Africa, he watched native trackers look for all of the tiniest kinds of clues that were a part of a wildlife's daily routine. Somehow, this stuck with him, and he thought he could track a wild octopus. (laughs) I have to bring up what is typically in our minds. Who has the time to find an octopus that has left its home? Is it possible to track a fish, a crab, shark, or one particular octopus at sea? Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Yes, it's possible. Biologists have tracked dolphins, whales, fish, birds, and so much more with some radio beacon kind of device. But let me be clear. Craig didn't tattoo his octopus with a name, pulsating tracker, or any kind of technology. He's literally swimming out there in the middle of freezing water trying to find an octopus that's run off. Craig does something that all of us humans do when we've lost something or we're trying to figure something out. He begins rehearsing where the octopus has been. And to do that, he starts making a map. First, of where the octopus once called home. And then he started mapping all the places he'd seen the octopus hunt, play, or otherwise be. In making this map, Craig started looking for the tiniest clues as to what or where this octopus might be. In this daily observation, which has to be called what it is, which is practice, Craig takes his practice of mapping the ocean and finds all kinds of other things in addition to the octopus. For many people, this could be frustrating because we're actually trying to find one lost octopus and we keep finding shells, clues, or other things that may or may not have anything to do with what we're trying to find, which is the octopus. Certainly, this whole thing isn't rational. Trying to find an octopus in the middle of the ocean is worse than trying to find a needle in a haystack because at least the needle isn't moving from the haystack, right? Do you get my drift? (laughs) This is insane, right? I don't know if Craig was thinking like this because he was too busy to think like an octopus. He continued diligently 
and his practice, going to the water every day in cold water, tracking for what I think was weeks. The seventh thing, the octopus is found. A relationship is reunited, and whatever was the breach between Craig and the female octopus is resolved. There's more to discover. The eighth thing, and I'm going to accelerate a little bit further now. Craig steps back from his lens of the camera, his perspective, to see the big picture. It's a considerable choice because he has the ability to interfere and to protect the female octopus and noticing what are predators to her. But he thinks that he shouldn't interfere. He watches the balance of nature from birth to death and death to birth as the cycle repeats. The ninth thing. All of this craziness, which Craig himself calls an obsession quietly, comes to an end upon the death of his friend, the octopus. Craig realizes that the shell-like thing, the 3D art mobile, a Jackson Pollock sculpture, was actually the end of an octopus's life. That was the first thing that he saw. And he witnesses that again at the time of the death of this female octopus as she's trying to cover up just to survive a little bit longer in her choice to give birth to new life. Craig realizes that this time of observation of this one octopus is up because of the finite lifespan in which octopuses live. But he's encountered something and he wants to explore more. The tenth thing. Craig shares his story, first with his son, and through the very nature of his gift to tell a story with film. He takes a chance and expresses this whole thing in this documentary called My Octopus Teacher. The 11th thing. Netflix, who eventually purchased the rights to the film, originally turned it down. But Craig is stated as saying, but it was seen by the right person. And it was like a bit of a miracle. And that obviously it makes a huge difference because suddenly you can reach very, very big audiences with your message. I mean, the whole motivation behind spending so much time and what we do is very much to do with conservation. End quote. The twelfth thing. The octopus that Craig Foster followed for so long was never given a name. Craig explained that he did that on purpose. Quote, I didn't want it to become like a pet or curiosity or some arbitrary thing. This is an individual animal living this extraordinary life in the great African sea forest. And you know, she's my teacher. And that's why I didn't give her some arbitrary name. I have to share with you that the account this connection by nature of Craig who seemingly lost and this octopus that is a 
female point uh, contact with Craig in this way is just extraordinary. But let me string in this moment together some things that we've learned about conscious connection with nature. Number one, doing something fun. Number two, doing something fun when we're not really thinking. Number three, constant practice. I actually have written about this in a blog called Deliberate Practice. Go to my website. It's here in the notes of this podcast. Number four, nature offers us a conscious invitation. Number five, there is a connection that is offered in this invitation. Number six, the more that you observe, the more that you'll discover. Number seven, when a separation occurs, find your balance and come back to Mother Nature's invitation for conscious connection. Number eight, there's an opportunity to have a macro view of what's real and what's not with regards to this plane. Number nine, a desire to explore even more, a desire to go even deeper within to see all those things that are shown to us from nature and, of course, the universe at large. Ten, sharing the experience. Number 11, who would think the world would want to see a movie about a grown man and an octopus? What's the story really about? Conscious connecting by nature or the universe. Number 12, a knowingness not to name the octopus or even to credit himself. Craig stated decidedly that the whole experience, including the filming, editing, and distribution of this film, that it was a miracle. Maybe that's all we need. More conscious connection with nature. To see the emotional, marvelous, conscious connection in and around us. This invitation is ever-present and ready for your consideration, acceptance, or even joy. Come on, let's have some fun. Let's further connect in our conscious connection with nature. For us to make true connections, we have to engage. I really want to hear your comments, so please leave a review at westonjolly.com forward slash review or go to iTunes and give me your thoughts there. This helps our connection and it's a tremendous help to others too. Everything we do is designed to offer you a deeper spiritual connection within. You can also make a personal appointment with me, Weston Jolly, right now by going to westonjolly.com. Also, check out my current events, books, and other products. Also, my free newsletter. Thank you for joining me, Weston Jolly, for my podcast, True Connections.